0: the GVA Legal Podcast. My name is Jean Kambuni and I'm your host. On today's episode, we are celebrating Zero Discrimination Day. March 1st was Zero Discrimination Day. The day was initially introduced by UN AIDS Chief Michael Sidibe in 2014. The purpose of the day was to increase public awareness of discrimination and the effects it has on people, communities, and societies. Although the day was originally targeted at the discrimination faced by persons living with HIV and AIDS, the day has since taken on a broader spectrum. This is because discrimination based on racial, gender, sexual, age, religious or other grounds is illegal and it contributes to inequality and poverty. Zero Discrimination Day is held to promote equality, inclusiveness and tolerance across the globe. The theme of Zero Discrimination Day 2023 was Save Lives, Decriminalize. This reminds us of the importance of removing discriminatory and punitive laws. Today, we want to focus on gender inequality and gender discrimination. To discuss this topic, in studio with me is Dr. Linda Etale. Dr. Etale is a gender specialist. Welcome, Dr. Etale.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jin. Thanks for having me.
0: Great. I want us to get right into it. And the first question I'll ask is one, to educate us. So first of all, just to educate our listeners, what is meant by the term gender?
1: Okay, um, in simple terms, Gender refers to socially or even culturally constructed assigned roles expected to do as a man or a woman or a girl or a boy in a society, um, how you expect to behave, uh, norms that are assigned to particular um, like men, women, girls, or boys. And what I can just say, what is considered appropriate for whether it's a girl or a boy, a man or a woman. and. Just to say that it varies from society to society. So what what is expected within, um, let's say, communities in Kenya could be different from what is expected in communities somewhere in a country in Europe. So, And sometimes it's confused with the term sex, (laughs) which is um, basically the biological and physiological characteristics of females and males. Um, such as, you know, the reproductive organs that you have, yeah, and things like that. Um, So they're related, but they're not the same. So sex is what you're born with, but then gender is what you are assigned once you get into a particular society. So gender, also just to make it clear, is that gender has also been misconstrued to mean women. Because a lot of the work that we've been doing as gender experts is to clamor for the rights of women and having them um, live better lives, access resources and things like that. But it also refers to men. So gender refers to men and women and how society and culture assigns, you know, their roles, as I've said, expectations and expected behavior of men, women, girls and boys. Yeah. So that's how I would would, um, would describe uh, the term gender.
0: I feel like that's very interesting because there's um I'd never thought about it in that way the sociological contract a construct sorry um as opposed to the biological um uh, function or the biological organs that you are born with. So the, the thinking about gender in terms of that sociological construct, what society has agreed a man is, what society has agreed a woman is or isn't, and now mm. that, that the fact that it is a construct now layers in that level of inequality and that level of discrimination because certain then yes. roles and certain genders then get ascribed certain functions, they get ascribed certain... Um, can I call them traits? Some aspirational traits. Yes. So we say that certain genders ha- are inherently endowed with certain traits. Yet that might not be true yes. because that whole yeah. concept of gender is a construct. It's us mm-hmm. who have come up mm-hmm. with it and determined what it is and isn't. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so that society can function in in a particular way, so that things things are organized. But that does not that does not mean that it's fair. So sometimes it disadvantages, you know, either it's the women or the men, depending on, for example, if it's um, a particular, you know, like men expect it to be the leaders and leadership comes with access to resources and, and decision-making. So in as much as um, they are leaders in that way and have all those, that all the um, um, advantages, if I may say, to maybe accessing resources and making decisions, sometimes uh, it ties down women from uh, achieving their full potential and, and in participating in decisions uh, within their households, within the community, politically, uh, even with education, access to education, and all those things. So it it affects all as all aspects of you know the lives of men and women, and also girls and boys. Yeah.
0: Okay, now I want to go on to that uh, construct and talk about the common areas of inequality and discrimination with regard to gender. And what are those common areas of gender equality and gender discrimination?
1: I just briefly highlighted um, issues to access with resources. For example, those are natural and those that are human-made. If it's natural, for example, if it's access to land, you know, land, for example, in our communities, it's what we use to uh, our living, for both men and women. And if men, for example, in a particular society own land, it means they make decisions on how that land is used, um, who can access it, what can be planted and how the resources, for example, if certain crops are sold, um, who is allowed to make the decision on what's to be sold and what remains for the household and how those resources, for example, money, got out of a sale of a particular produce is going to be uh, used within the family. So access to uh, natural resources, for example, land, even in some communities, even it can, it, it can even affect, for example, who cuts a tree, who is allowed to plant a tree, and who is allowed to cut it. So you find women plant trees, but they're not allowed to cut it. It's the men to make the decision because cutting it means either it's going to be sold and then it's the man who decides on how the money that has been going out of that sale is going to be utilized even in workplaces for example gender inequality in, in the workplace um, sometimes you find a man and a woman are both qualified to you know take over a particular role um And they do the same job, but you find the man is able to earn more than the woman. If they are qualified, they have the same experience, and well, th- there are many layers to that. Where you can say maybe the man has been brought up in a way to learn how to negotiate for better terms in terms of income and things like that. The woman has not been brought up to speak for themselves. So you find that unless you have an advocate in the particular organization to look out for the for you know that to remove any gender discrimination, you find the woman ends up earning less yet they're doing the same job. It also, um, so you can, you can look at that about um, how resources are owned, how they are utilized, um, even livelihood development, for example, if if a woman is not um, allowed to own land, whether she has the resources to buy that land or not. For example, in Kenya, that is very common, like in the community where I come from, a woman can even own land, but that's, if, if, even if she buys that land, uh, with her own resources, she's not allowed to probably um, have a title deed with her name on it. Not even joint ownership. The man wants the land, the land title to be in his name, which means this woman cannot even feel confident enough to use this particular land to till and maybe egg resource uh, a living out of it. So this um, gender, if if is a good thing, yes. Um, because it shows that divide, but if it's not if it, if you're not careful, it ends up disadvantaging um, both men and women, but mostly for women, because of the power issues between men and women. Um, so those are some of the common areas of gender inequality and gender discrimination that I can quickly um, highlight, yeah.
0: Thank you for that, um, Daktari. Yes. Um, I have another question yes. to build up on that. Mm-hmm. The COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated discrimination and inequality across the board. Mm-hmm. And immediately after the pandemic, you are a postdoctoral fellow mm-hmm. at the SEGA.
1: Is that how it's pronounced? CJR. C-GAR. CJR. CJR. Yeah, they have a gender platform. Um,
0: yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about your work there mm-hmm. and the gendered impact of the pandemic on the lives of rural women?
1: Okay, so um, I joined the CJR Gender Platform, um, and I worked with them for the uh for two years until um December last year, and my work there I was basically a, a gender researcher. So what I was doing mainly is to um use resources that we had to to conduct research in particular areas that we thought um, was lacking in terms of evidence. That we can use to be able to influence policy making in in the agricultural sector in different countries. So for example, um, now that that you brought in the issue of the COVID pandemic, we use the resources we had to conduct research in um, three countries, that is Zambia, Senegal, and Ethiopia, to just to find out what has been the impact of the COVID pandemic um, in the lives of men and women who are involved in agriculture and how governments responded in terms of policy making and maybe um, allocation of resources to respond to the needs of men and women who are involved in agriculture. Because the African population, most of it, especially in the rural areas, are involved in agriculture to acre living and, you know, just to... You know, it's a way of life so we wanted to find out how governments in those three countries were able to respond to the needs of men and women of course mainly it's through policy making so uh, the general impact of the pandemic that we that were able to to find out through the research is that um first of all if I can just say we were the governments were caught unprepared, especially in Africa we had not had such a big um such a pandemic if I may say of course we had had others like Ebola in Western Africa, but for this particular kind of um, pandemic, we were not prepared for it at all. So policymakers were caught unprepared, but we're hoping that this <laughs> that this actually challenges us to be more prepared. But now, um, if I can talk about uh, the gendered impact, for example, the first thing, both men and women lost jobs and any source of employment that they had. Many people lost jobs as we saw, which meant reduced resources, reduced income within households, um, which affected patches of food. And most of the time it's women who are involved in, in, in finding food for their um families, which also meant that the families had to reduce their food intake. Um balanced diets were affected and 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 people went actually without food. And um and um if I may also say, uh, there are certain countries, for example, in, the, in, both, in, all the, in those three countries, governments tried to raise resources to get food that can, you know, like relief food and sort of um, also money to help families uh, be able to purchase food and um, address some of those issues and even access health care. But those resources were not enough to meet the needs that were there. So, loss of jobs and employment and income was one of the general impacts that we saw. Because men and women are employed in, I mean, like for example, um, you find that as, as I mentioned, women were more in, are more involved in getting food for the family, whether it's through agriculture or going to the markets. If those who are living in the in the urban areas, so because I mean, because those reduced resources or income, that burden was really huge on them to find, you know. People to take care of their families, and also another thing um, is lack of access to markets because those those this uh, lockdowns and um, curfews and all that. So it affected how men and women were able to access markets, and especially for women who are who are in these informal markets where they're selling produce from their farms. So it was really difficult for for men and women, but especially for women. And then another thing was you know lack of, lack of access to affordable loans. To boost uh, businesses, that is agricultural-based boost uh, businesses, and even even just getting consumption loans to push on families, um, you know, just to be able to um, live day by day, even as we went through the pandemic. Another thing was. Um, lack of opportunities uh, for women to participate in policy making like apart from a country like Senegal, which already had systems where women were organized in such a way that they were able to participate in, for example, budget making um, in whatever levels of government in the country, um, being able to influence how resources will be distributed. Most countries were actually not prepared in that way. So most women did not participate in policy making and uh, they'd be able to address the challenges that they face. Um, then another thing was uh, lack of access to affordable seeds and fertilizers for agriculture dependent communities because uh, shops were closing down I mean things um, lack of transport to you know um, agro agro shops and things like that so especially due to movement restrictions then another thing that also stood out was um, reduced labor especially like countries like Senegal They are dependent on um, laborers from neighboring countries like like Gambia So because borders were being closed, uh, access to labor was curtailed. And I'm sure even in other countries like here, because if you can't move, you can't access transport because there's that lockdown. It affected agriculture. Um, Another thing was um, which stood out was women as, you know, women are primary caregivers in families. Um, So does the lockdown, so everyone is at home. There are those ones who are getting sick, so women first. Women as caregivers in homes, they face a big challenge in taking care of the sick, and you know children who are off school, and you know all that. So it was also a challenge for women as as primary caregivers. Another thing was uh, that became more pronounced was gender-based violence because now people were, men and women were, wives and husbands for example were, you know, confined in the same space there was no break, so it was reported, gender-based violence was actually reported to increase, to have increased during uh, the pandemic Um, another thing was that we saw in a country like Zambia was um, sex was being used Um, women had, had to give in um had to give into sex with men, for example, in the fishing industry for you to access the fish as a as a source of livelihood, um, which had, you know, it had become expensive. You had to do that trade where you sex for, for fish was actually reported to have increased. So these are just some of the few areas or issues that we saw in terms of the gender impact of, you know, COVID-19 uh, on the livelihoods of agriculture-dependent uh, households in Africa. There's so much more that we can talk about, but in a nutshell, Those are some of the issues. But what is now eating us now is, are we better prepared for another pandemic? Because we don't know. It could happen. Um, That is the question we're asking ourselves as researchers or development practitioners. And especially for us who are gender experts, because yeah, we saw we saw the impact, the gender impact of COVID-19.
0: No, I asked the question because COVID-19 is something that really was not ideally meant to affect anyone in particular. It was something far away from all of us. It was probably what you'd call an act of God, mm. something that you had unanticipated, yeah. um, on the same level as like an earthquake or a tsunami, something that when it happens has a very big impact globally. But if you were to plan going forward, I don't think even any program writer could have um, anticipated the risk of a global pandemic shutting down the entire world. But the yes. impact that it then had on mm. existing, pre-existing inequalities was very, very interesting. That just taking away certain things like your ability to move around, yes. taking away your ability to get an income, mm. taking away your ability to to pick out a living for yourself, yeah. then exacerbate existing mm. divides be- between the different genders. Yeah. And that then um, was, was something that your study was able to uncover and identify. That yeah. that divide went from family relations mm. to the inability to provide for your family mm. to the even inability to grow as an individual mm. and that those changes could happen just because of something out of the ordinary. But you've also brought out something and you uh, talked about a fish for a do. yeah Exchange of, of sex for yeah. food, and that brings me to something that I hadn't even thought yeah. about. Um, the BBC study that has been doing the rounds on social media in Kenya this couple of yeah. weeks yeah. that um, workers uh, in the tea farms, yeah. the big tea farms yeah. in Kericho, yeah. have um inequality where the women workers have to have sex with the male workers and that also plays into the power play of the region and that just shows you that it doesn't even have to be a pandemic mm-hmm. even just regular work relationships yeah. work out in that gender construct yeah. and those constructs play yeah. to creating inequality and safe work environments and um, discrimination on the basis
1: of gender for different that's very true and I, I I think that it has always existed but because now we were paying more attention to you know we just wanted to see how the fishing sector is is you know is um i mean was faring on during the pandemic and how what are the gender issues during the pandemic then we discovered okay this thing has always been there but it was exas- as you say it was exacerbated during the pandemic because resources are fewer it's hard to go out fishing There's, there are these uh what are they called curfews there is lockdown so the, the little fish that is there for example i mean i mean those the fishermen would have to sell it at a, at a premium and part of the premium is sex for fish yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting well, that the end of this interview, and finally, yeah. and I know this is a loaded question, yeah. but what can we do to raise awareness about gender inequality and discrimination, and perhaps to begin to try to address the gender divide? What small steps? Do we take?
1: Mm, okay, so what I'll do, I'll just talk about it in general because it's a very loaded question, but it can open um, our minds to you know thinking differently in the various sectors that we operate in. Um, You know, some of Some of the things that we can do, for example, is um, let's start with just, you know, um, you know, rejecting, you know, any chauvinistic attitudes that we might have amongst ourselves, you know, like just as the individual to, um, you know, try and not make you know or ridicule or demean or humiliate women for example um, or any other marginalized group you know by how we speak our attitude towards them and also when you hear it when you hear um, any of those uh, chauvinistic uh, comments being thrown here and there it's, it's, your, it's your role to actually you know not keep quiet but actually speak about it and against it um and also you know talk to our colleagues and in the various sectors where we work in communities we work we work in the friends that we have family and frankly you know tell them to desist from anything that um would you know promote any kind of discrimination through our attitudes and how we speak another thing is actually um you know helping women to actually gain power because you know power um, when you're in a position of power, you're able to make decisions that, you know, um, influence your, you know, socioeconomic status and all those um, aspects of our lives as men and women. But women are more disadvantaged. But there are steps that, that we are making towards empowering women, but we can still do more. Um, you know, find out, for example, which woman in our society, for example, seems to have, you know, any leadership qualities and support them to be able to, um, you know, gain power and be in position where they can make uh, decisions or influence decisions and influence policy within our community uh, areas of power and also, you know, up to the parliament and all that. Another thing is, um, you know, also considering how we can support women to, you know, access education, access resources, um, how we can work with financial institutions to be able to, um, you know, help women access, um, you know, affordable loans. Yeah, things like that. And also not limit women in what they, what they can do. Encourage them to do more. Another thing is also just to, you know, higher diversity, you know. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, we, we even see uh, job opportunities where they say, oh, women are encouraged to apply, whatever. So encourage more of that. And um, also try and see that, you know, the same salary for equal work, despite gender, Yeah. And then also provide, you know, comprehensive training in our uh, workplaces, you know, offer co- courses on diversity, issues to with anti-bias, so that people start learning that men and women are actually equal, you know, despite what society um, assigns to us as roles, as responsibilities, how we behave, what we can do. Um, and also another thing is, you know, support support mothers and parents in general, for example, or um, women in, in, in our communities, in whatever areas that they need our support, whether it is um, in accessing resources, participating in, you know, things like even the Chiefs Barazas, instead of having women sitting on the back and keeping quiet, encouraging them to talk, um, to speak their mind. Um, another thing is also watching out for signs of, you know, domestic violence, because it was really an issue, especially during um, the pandemic, like watch out for signs of that, and have um, interventions on how these issues can be addressed. And then another thing is starting at the, you know, the basics in the family. You know how we train our children, how household chores are shared, how um, ch- childcare actually between um, parents is actually shared, and any care work that needs to be done in the home. Um, Yeah, so these are some of the things that we can do to raise awareness and also just to address gender inequality um, because it it starts from the home and gets to our workplaces and everywhere else where we go to make our living. Um, Yeah, and also just listen and reflect. Um, You know... um, just also just recognizing that we have these inequalities and not uh, brush things under the carpet recognizing that these inequalities exist but find ways and talk to each other both men and women on how we can address this um gender inequalities and discrimination yeah so that's what i can say in a nutshell like covering all you know all the sectors instead of just covering what i do as a gender expert
0: yeah, thank you for that. And I think that, um, this family is the smallest social unit in the, in the society. And as you said, we start there with the family, with teaching our own children and being, teaching our own children and being positive models. hope to have proper, well-gendered where we show that everyone is equal, everyone takes on an equal responsibility of fulfilling the family roles and responsibilities. They're not particularly assigned to one gender or another gender. Um, and then also... And maybe no, I was
1: saying another thing that I just forgot which I think is very important. Um, sorry. In, what, in whatever society or sector we are in, find ways of identifying, you know, gender gender champions, call them gender champions, and actually put them on a platform where they're able to influence others because champions are able to influence others if they're given the space. Whether it is within the communities where uh, the cultural setting, encouraging women to, you know, um, come to chief barazas or come to areas where resources are being distributed because it's, it's or, or maybe even accessing, um, let's say, um, uh, what, what do they call them? Like, I extension of officers and the services that they give. Like, you have gender champions who are able to to speak out and be able to show people that it can actually be done. So once you identify them, we give them the platform to be able to to do what they do best and help us to you know fight the discrimination. In inequality, yeah, thank you for that.
0: Then, also, we should just as part of the gender um, experts and the gender um, champions, another thing I like that you've said is to be our brother's keeper. Sometimes, an inequality or is, is happening before us, or some sort of discrimination is happening before us, and because we are silent, we do not catch it when it's happening and we do not act upon it. So, being our brother's keeper is another very important thing I think that you've introduced, and I think that's something that we can all do in whatever space we're in. Inequality happens on all levels, as you've said, it's not just based off of um gender there's also racial discrimination religious discrimination age discrimination just being able to recognize it when we see it happening and speak up about it goes a long way to helping bridge that divide so that brings us to the end of this episode. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Linda Itale. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I'm your host, Jean Kambuni. Tell us what you think about this episode in the comment section of our social media pages or an email. Our email address is info at gvalawbomb.com. You can also follow Gikera and Badgama Advocates on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as GVALawbomb. Thank you for joining us on the GVA Legal Podcast.
1: Let's get free. Yeah